Good morning. Orda? Ravi Khibrema? Okay. Um, if you have a Bible, I, I want to read the letter, a whole, a whole book of the Bible this morning. But it's Philemon. So if you if you are, if you go to the end of the Bible, you got Revelation, and then if you work back a bit to Hebrews, uh, and then work the last last year, the last of Paul's letters is is this small letter, um, and I, I'll read it quick, and hopefully. I don't know what page it is on a church Bible, I've got an ESV, so what I read might be slightly different. Oh dear, <clears throat> never mind. Okay, it goes something like this, okay. Paul, <clears throat> a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother, to Philemon our beloved fellow worker and Aphia our sister and Archippus our fellow soldier and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you accordingly. Though I am bold enough to, in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. And I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own free will. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave but more than a slave, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you'd receive me. If he's wronged you at all, or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. So say nothing if you're, own, if you're owing me even your own self. Yet, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that you, through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends, you gre sends greetings to you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, and Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Just before I, we look at the letter, um, the Dave asked me to come a fortnight ago. Three, when was your mission day? Remember? Well, whenever it was. He said, would I come and talk about Waleswide? And I was preaching somewhere else. It's a bad habit I've got. Uh, and so um, he said, well, talk about it a bit this morning. So, I, well, you know. But I, I've, you've had a, you may have had a different version of this. Born on the chair. And uh, one of the things, Wales-wide is uh, church planting, church strengthening, anything 
so that the gospel is heard in places where currently it's not heard at all. And uh, so one of the things we ask to do, and just everybody to do, is to adopt a town. And I, I, I pray for Trigaron every day. That uh, many years ago, when I was in Rabina, they, they, they had the bookshop, and the, a book rep gave the lady in the shop a copy of that book. If you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. But a good book. And because it, she gave it to me and it was free, I read it. That's uh, often how it works. And uh, uh, we were at the time, it was at the time of the foot and mouth, so it must be 12 years ago. And it said in there, if there's something that really concerns you, and you pray every day, make a special project, after three months you're bound to see a difference. And I, you know, Liz's family originally comes from the Trigaron area, and it was just a nightmare, just spiritually dead. Um, and so I thought, okay, I'll pray for a Trigaron every day. So I bought a Trigaron mug, some of you have heard this, and the first cup of tea in the morning, Trigaron mug, pray for a Trigaron. Well, I, I'm not as good as praying as you. You know, it took me, you know, 12 years I've been kind of banging away, uh, asking the Lord, 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 last Sunday an evangelical was appointed to Bulkwin Chapel in Trigaron, um, and, uh, and the, a number of people are now going to be pulling together to just see a new gospel work, hopefully, um, in the area. And uh, on the card, in, in greyed out a little bit, there are a number of places where the gospel is just very rare. And uh, well, Waleswide wants to make it known, just ask people to pray. Well, we, we, this week we, had a, a, we gathered leaders across Mid Wales. We took over a place in Friday and invited people from different parts. And it's just, it's just lovely what the Lord does. Because we've been saying, you know, pray for Talgar. Pray for Bilth. Because there's nothing in those places. I mean, the, you know, there were, if there was this many meeting and loving you, it would be great. If there was that many. But of course, there are not in these places. And, uh, and just spinning off a meeting this week, a guy rang me and said, you know, I said, uh, we're thinking of moving to Talgarth. There are a number of people that have been worshipping and that it didn't work. And, ah, uh, oh, Talgarth, wouldn't that be great? How Harris country? Uh, and then, again, after it, in a meeting the next day, um, one of the leaders said, well, actually, in his network of churches have just had built wells on their heart, and there's a leader there who's been doing some schools work and we're going to gather around him, we're going to put some resources in, we're going to have this church, that church and the other church just seek to nurture something. And then the Cum Gwendry, Ponteberim, Pontiates. I, I then also heard this week that Towie Community Church is planting into Cum Pontiates, planting in the spring. Ah. Uh, and then I also heard, this was the week before, um, we've been praying for Conway Valley, Pan Roost, and uh, up the valley towards Keragadridion. There's a, a good man in Pan Roost, but he's on his own. And uh, one of the strongest key churches in North Wales, the pastor has just felt God constraining him to give up his job. He's an engineer. Get some secular consultancy work and go into Dufferin Conway and just gather the church. Ah, oh, it's not good. And 
I, I, I can't disconnect that from ordinary people just saying, okay, we can't do everything, but I can pray. And I will pray for somewhere, to, for New Key. Uh, New Key's been on the list, that difficult. And I was teaching a, on a Welsh language training program in Aberystwyth a week, fortnight yesterday. And a chap, um, Dawi, just came and said he's just thinking of establishing a workout. Oh, oh, there we are then. So will you pray? And, you know, as a church, you can't connect with everybody, but we're just uh, encouraging every church to be part of a new mission to Wales. And there's a, there's a little group that's meeting in Llandovery, or, or in the parish church. There's a, there's a small group of believers, very traditional. But wouldn't it be great if, if Lisvane Baptist just connected with one of those works in Llandovery and prayed for them and did a holiday club there and encouraged the leaders and whatever? Wouldn't that be great? You don't have to go to, to Uganda or Rwanda to do mission. Wales is a wilderness, much of it, and needs the gospel. So there we are. Um, take it, put it. The, the little line is. Um, if you find the English, I will pray every, well I say day. You know, if you want to write every other year, uh, that's fine. And, and then on the bottom line, where you're going to pray, I just want to encourage you, things happen when God's people pray that don't happen if they don't pray. Do you agree? Paul's letter to Philemon. I, Philemon, I get told off. I've never heard anybody call him Philemon, but so, so today we'll stick with Philemon. It's not much of a letter really. You think, why is, some, why is something so trivial? I mean, when you consider just some kind of bit of a relational problem with a, a slave that ran away, with a bloke who was a church leader, you think, in all the things that have happened over the last 2,000 years, this must be pretty close to the bottom in terms of significance. So why, why is it in the Bible then? Did you notice, um, well, I, you wouldn't have noticed, but I'll tell you anyway. It begins and ends with the same theme. If you look at the end, he says, the grace, of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit deep in Paul's praying that the grace of God I'll explain that in a minute is going, he's praying that it will be right key in the driver of our lives that it gets in there right in my spirit not just in my head not just oh that's a great theory oh I like reading books about that no 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 in here in your knower in your gut in your person let the grace of God be right in there and influential from the very core of who I am because he begins in the same way verse 3 grace to you grace to you and everything in between is a kind of illustration uh, a model of what that means and so I believe that's why this book it's a profoundly important book 
because it's very practical it's just about three people and what grace means grace God's undeserved unprovoked unearned kindness that we say that there are no free lunches yes there is here is something that comes to the person who trusts in Christ without condition I don't contribute it I don't, there isn't something you, you know this there isn't something nice about me that attracted me to God so he decided to love me he loved me as a freebie and we don't like that either you know we, we think that people should work no it, this is a freebie God for his own reasons on his own initiative at his own cost initiated a rescue plan for us we were in serious trouble We'd, sin had just messed up our past, our present and would play havoc with our future we didn't have a future where God was concerned and he, just because he loves us came to where we are in order to sort it for nothing and life and hope and just adoption and fullness it's a handout yeah. it's almost alien isn't it God has given offered you and I a freebie the biggest that ever was so what difference does that make in my spirit if I have if I've encountered God trusted in his son and receive this unconditional love How, what difference does that make? well the, the situation is this bloke Anisimus he's a slave he's in Colossae which is Italy Italy Adriatic Turkey Western Turkey the Lycus Valley is where Pergamon and Thyatira and Laodicea and all those churches that Jesus wrote to remember Revelation 2 and 3 they're all in that part of western Turkey and Colossae is one of those towns and Paul is, is writing because there was this, this slave and he legged it that Paul makes a reference verse 18 if he owes you anything so did, did he nick something? Did, 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 he, did he rob Philemon in order to get his fare? Or did he rob Philemon, that's why he, he, he ran? And, and he ran to where there was a crowd, he ends up in Rome, so that uh, he, he would protect himself, he'd be a marked man, either branded or tattooed, so he'd have to keep parts of his shoulder or his arms covered continuously, because this man was a lawbreaker he was a runaway he was wanted dead not the other bit that he was a persona non gratia he was a, in the culture of the of the roman roman society was built on slavery and if you didn't know your place and keep your place 
you are going to lose your head. We can't have people just legging it when they feel that that's that there are enormous consequences. It's against the rules. It's against the more of society. We can't have society collapsing. Um, and therefore, this man made a call. Did he do it impulsively? Why did he do it? We don't know. But essentially, he's a fugitive. He's an outlaw. He's a dead man walking. There, there was no future for this character. At some point, he was going to be found out. He lived guilty. He knew that his past was every day in danger of catching up with him. Not a great place, right? So, th th this is, uh, and he, so he's gone, he's gone to Rome and he's hiding in the crowd and I don't know how it would have happened, he became a Christian. And, uh, you know, was it, you know, one day, ah, oh, it's great what's happened to you, Anisimus, that's fantastic. You become a Christian, ah, oh, great, great. Where, where did you come from? Oh, did you Colossae? Oh, oh, what part? Oh, oh, by the bridge. Yeah, yeah, I've got a friend who lives there. Do you know Philemon? And then the whole atmosphere of the room changed. Because suddenly it was awkward. And suddenly his past had caught up with him. And his shame and the danger on his life and the consequences of what he does, that great discomfort that we all have felt of being guilty. But there was something different. What did grace mean for Onesimus? Well, he became a Christian, then not he? And if everybody else had rejected him, Jesus had not. Amazing. That Jesus didn't wait for Onesimus to clean up his life and buy his clothes from Marks and Spencers before he received him and made him a child of God. Isn't that amazing? That this guy was a badon. A badon. He was the kind of person you wouldn't just want your daughter not to marry. I mean, the, the, your daughter would be in danger if she had anything to do with him as a collaborator. The Roman society were on the, onto people like this double quick. But suddenly Anesimus just, he was an alien and now he's welcomed. He was completely on his own and now suddenly he has a family. Paul doesn't treat him as somebody he wants to avoid. Paul calls him a beloved son and re tells other people to see him like a brother. How releasing was that for Onesimus? How, what, what a change in culture and contact, context that this, you know, a new start. Paul actually says to him, he is useful to me and will be to you. The guy's being affirmed. He's still a criminal. He's still in trouble. But he's loved, isn't he? 
What did what did grace mean to Anisimus? Grace was absolutely wonderful. Grace meant that God had accepted him when nobody else would. Grace meant that God had forgiven him even if Caesar hadn't. Grace meant that he used to be an outcast and now he is included. Isn't grace wonderful? We were all outcasts. Our sin would have brought us under the wrath of God if grace, if Jesus hadn't come and paid the full penalty and taken the wrath of God on himself so we didn't have to. <laughs> Is it? it was good for Elisimus, but it's good for all of us. We ought to be people that sing about the grace of God in the bath, if you have one, all the time. Just think, God, because you believe in Jesus, because you've received him as your Lord and Saviour, God loves you. Ah, isn't grace great? Isn't it astonishing? Because, you know, if I was looking around for who I wanted in my spiritual family, I don't think I'd have chosen you. Well, some of you may have got in by the skin of your teeth, but God chose us freely, even in his sinner. But then, what did grace mean for Paul? Slightly different in Paul's case. Paul's in prison. He's an old man, he says, verse 9 and 10. And his situation in prison wasn't great. I know they may have Xboxes in prison now, but he didn't have an Xbox in prison in Rome. In fact, there are passages, once when he's writing to Timothy, where he just describes his situation in practical terms, and it just doesn't sound great. Let me read you a bit. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he, lo he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metalworker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. He's a, he's a man who's just stuck in jail. And other people are coming and going, but at this point there, they'd all gone. And he's old, elderly, struggling, abandoned, ministry's over, and this bloke comes called Anisimus, and he says, he just serves me. He, he just looked after me. He, he says he was like a son, he was useful to me. And Paul talks in very tender terms about it. I'm very fond of him. That there was a father-son relationship that grew and now it was just awkward. What do we do now? Now, I know what I'd do. I'd say, ah, well, you know, least said, soonest mended. You just stay here, make the sandwiches, boil the kettle. It, it's, look, you're doing more good than here than going getting into trouble with Philemon. Let, let, let's, let's just kind of, let's just calm it all down. 
and keep the status quo. No need. I'll write him a letter. I'll pop a letter in the post, and you stay here, and uh, you know it'll. All, you know he might be cross when he gets the letter, but he'll. He doesn't do that, does he? To his own loss, Paul knows that he has to do the right thing. He has to go and sort it out. There has to be a reconciliation. That Anisimus has to repent, putting it bluntly. He, he has, there's got to be some restitution. If he's, if he's ripped him off, he needs to put it right. If, uh, it, that, it, that since Philemon is, a, is the rightful owner, um, he's got to go back and sort it. Great, this is the point. I'm not going to labour it, but just let me log it. Grace, for Paul, meant that he did the right thing. Jesus, in saving us, did the right thing. Sometimes, when I hear people talk about grace today, it's as if God has changed. He, he's chilled out a bit. You know, he's, he loves you to bits. He couldn't love you more. So carry on as you are, you wicked sinner. J just carry on. You know, it doesn't really matter. God, you know, God will get over it. He, you know, he's not as fussy as he used to be. You know, he, he used to kind of send, you know, kind of judgments. But it's all grace now, so, you know, relax. He doesn't mind if you do it. I, that's nonsense. That's absolute twaddle. God doesn't receive me. He loves me too much. He doesn't receive me on the basis of what I do. But grace doesn't leave me there. Writing to Titus, he says, the grace of God teaches me to say no to unrighteousness and godly passion. That God loves me too much to leave me in the condition in which he found me. That, that I, I don't have a place in God's affections because of what I've done. But God's affections will change what I do. The grace of God will motivate me to do what is right. The grace of God will sensitize my conscience so that I respond and honor God. And even though it's not convenient for me, even if it's going to affect my life's comfort zones, I've got to do the right thing. And sometimes as Christians, we oh, grace, good, you know, God will let me off. But in one sense, he will. In another sense, he wants me to live godly and make the right choices. And, and Paul here, see, the, the people that are mentioned, the Archippus and Philemon and Aristarchus and... If you read the, the last verses of Colossians, it's the same people. And the people that were carrying, taking the letter to the Colossians to Colossae, Philemon is mentioned on the list. So actually, this letter was on its way to Colossae, and the, and the, the, the team that were going with it were not only carrying this letter, they were carrying the letter to the Colossians as well. And probably, I would say, not only were they carrying a letter to Colossae, they were carrying another letter, which was a circular letter, that would go to Laodicea and, and Philadelphia and Ephesus. Now, we call it the letter to the Ephesians, but it doesn't actually say that. 
It's the only letter of Paul's that doesn't have personal details in. It was a circular letter. So this is Paul's apostolic team on their way to Colossae, taking Philemon with them and carrying the letter to the Colossians and the Ephesians at the same time. They were on their way to Western Turkey. And, and for Paul, he was modelling... So What's Paul going to do? He was modelling something to the team and saying to Philemon, look, you've got to receive it. I could tell you to do it, but I'm asking you. I just want, I want you to walk in grace. And he's modelling to the team that, look, boys, we've got to do the right thing. We've got to trust God with the outcome of doing the right thing. And the team are learning. It's all being lived up. And there's a lovely twist. Verse 22. Why is that kind of verse in the Bible? Verse 22 is where he says, At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping to, that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. I think there's a principle here. I mean, he's in Rome. Fat chance, Paul. What do you mean? Prepare a guest room for me. Are you in denial? You're in clink, mate. Nero doesn't let people out. But interestingly, Paul, he, he believed, if I do the right thing, and if you pray, God can do the impossible. And there's a great principle there. Let, let's do the right thing. Let's make the right calls. And let's get people to pray. And even Roman prison doors can open. That's good, isn't it? But what about Philemon? What did grace mean to him? But for Anisimus, it was just brilliant. Ah, I mean, that was Anisimus. For Paul, mm, this is going to hurt, but it'll be worth it. Philemon, clearly a rich bloke. He had slaves. He had the church meeting in his house. The, one of those Roman houses where the serfs, the, you know, the, the serfs lived on that wing and the housemaids, you know, the cook, you lived on that wing and the, the household of Philemon, as it's called, that was the basis, the core of the church. That's how house churches worked in the first century. And th this Philemon is, verse 1, one of Paul's fellow workers. He's a team member. But uh, he's a man of status in society. Converted in Ephesus, because of course Paul never went to Colossae. Um, but when he was in Ephesus, school hall of Tyrannus, the whole of Asia heard the word. Well, this is one of the guys that was converted in that period in Acts 19. And verse 4 to 7, he just became an active Christian. So that loads of people were blessed by this man. He was just an influential Christian in all the right ways, leading the church in his home um, and being with Epaphras in Colossae. That's the, that's the background. And the church was his house. Calvin, in his commentary, just makes a, I think, a very helpful 
commentary on this. This is what John Calvin says. Just, just a little word for Christian households. A rule is laid down as to what it becomes all Christian households to be. That they, be, they may be so many little churches. Let everyone therefore know that this charge is laid upon him. That he is to train his house in the fear of the Lord, to keep it under holy discipline, and in, and in, in time to form it into the likeness of a church. What a great thought. Ah, so glad you're sat on the front row. You know, there are little churches as well as this church in Lisvale and Thornhill. And we are, to, in our domestic life, that Paul was modelling something to his team about doing right. Philemon is modelling something at home. It's not a private question. For Philemon, how he responds to Onesimus is not just something, you know, where I'll, I'll make the decision in my quiet time. He has, it's not a private forgiveness question, it's a family job. He's having to make this decision in front of everybody else. I think having the grace of God in the spirit in deep within me was harder for Philemon than any of the other two. For Anesimus it was a joy. For Paul it was a bit of a sacrifice. For Philemon it's a revolution. Imagine. I don't know how many slaves he had. Let's say he had ten. And so he's, he's kind of the middle class upper middle class and he moves in that kind of circle there was an awkward precedent going on here I mean if you let this character off scot-free what are the rest of them going to do are they all going to leg it nick your money and go to Rome and then become Christians and come back and say oh I'm your brother what what do we what What's Philemon going to do? Because I don't suppose Theomemphis next door is going to be terribly chuffed because he's got 20 slaves. What do you mean you're going to let him off? I mean, at least chop his hand off because he took the money. You know, at least in cart. What do you mean he's your brother? Pardon? You're going to what? You're going to welcome him back? The whole of Roman society was built on the assumption that people knew their place and would stay there. People say that there's nothing in the Bible against slavery. Oh yes, there is. Because there's a sense in which what Philemon did here and what Paul was encouraging him to do, just kick the first block of the foundation of slavery out. Because he received the man. We trust he received the man. Paul said he would do it anyway, but he was going to do it willingly. There was something revolutionary going on here. But there was also something quite... You know, he had to model it in front of the family. He had to sort it out with the other slaves. It's a costly thing having the grace of God in my heart. I have to forgive people like God in Christ has forgiven me. I, I, you know, I, I don't suffer fools gladly any more than you do. 
I could I could feel quite knocked with the Nisima. I I could have given him a, more than a clip around the ear hole, couldn't you? Uh, you know, I, I could have got a letter like this and felt, you know, this bloke humiliated me. He nicked my money and went off. And there could be a, a sense of resentment towards this man. I could understand it. I, I, if he was my property, I would probably have been no different. And just, well, let's have a bit of revenge. Yeah, I said, you know, I, revenge is good as long as you don't overdo it, isn't it? I mean, just, just have a little, you know, just get, you know, just a bit harsh. You know, you've got, hey, you've got to be judgmental at some point, haven't you? And grace accepts. God accepted me unconditionally. And if God has freely forgiven me, I have absolutely no choice as to whether I walk in grace or not. If, if the grace of God is going to be in my spirit, I'm going to have to love freely too. I'm going to have to make those kind of calls that model the grace of God in my life and so that, as in verse 20, that I will treat other people like partners even if they've wronged me and I will refresh them as they will refresh me and will just be like family. One commentator describing this, he said, this is a letter about the art of treating people. And there's some truth in that, where Philemon is concerned that uh, Philemon had the short straw because he had to let this guy off and embrace him and love him and welcome him and treat him not like a slave but like a brother. Could you imagine? Everybody in that little Roman courtyard when he walked in, they were all agog. Like, what is he going to do? Is he really going to be like Jesus and throw his arms round him. But obviously, grace brings us back for good. Verse 15. For good. So I, 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 don't, I don't know quite which of the three is most pertinent for us. It, it may be that as we're reminded earlier that you're just wondering about this Christian stuff and listen we do have a problem with God until we let Jesus sort it and if we come and put our trust in Christ and receive him as saviour the grace of God is absolutely wonderful makes us a son makes us useful gives us a new purpose, forgives us all of our past. Ah. It may though be that for some of us that there are issues where making the right decision, you're fudging it. You know there's something that you should do but you're still leaving it on the back burner because it's just inconvenient. It's just awkward. I, that You'd rather keep things as they are because otherwise, oh, no, you've got to do the right thing. The grace of God for some of us 
the spirit will just be probing us now to say, no, 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 I do the right thing. And if you do the right thing and people pray, doors open. God sorts it. Or it may be that for some of us, we know who Anisimus is. In your book, I have to struggle with that one. There are people who've borrowed my books and uh, I, I'm, I, I'm unforgiving. I've got to let them go. I've got to let the slave be a free man. I must not keep people imprisoned in my heart with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. I've got to do a Philemon in front of people. It's a very practical book, isn't it? Just shoved away in the corner. And it begins with grace and it ends with grace and it models grace in between. But we need to pray that the grace of God might be in our spirit. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that all scripture is profitable. And we thank you for how much it says to us that's so pertinent 2,000 years later. And Lord, for some of us, we just need to come to that place of finding salvation, joining the family, of responding by faith to the Lord Jesus. Pray, Lord, that you'll help us to find what Anisimus found. And some of us have just compromised a little bit and, and thought that grace let us off the hook for doing what is right. And Paul is saying, no, no. We have to do what is right and trust God with the consequences. And some of us just are struggling with Anisimus and there's somebody in our lives that we're just unforgiving to. And we have to enlarge our hearts and treat them like brothers. So will you help us, Lord? Will you let your word be influential? In the name of Jesus. Amen.